Hello, folks. Welcome to the Genuinely Interested Podcast. My name is Roy Bensvi, and I'm your host. And I want to explain a little bit about the podcast before we start the show this week. This podcast is an opportunity for me to speak with some of the most interesting people I know that I can find on the internet. So either with amazing talents or achievements or just unbelievable life stories or invaluable insights into areas that they have dedicated their lives to studying. I sit down with these amazing individuals from all across the world. Really, I, I've talked to people from you know, Slovenia to the Czech Republic to Australia to countries in Africa and South America, uh, really just all over the world. And I try to ask them the questions that will hopefully help you extract something valuable or learn something new or just get inspired by. And I do hope that you do get inspired by these talks uh, with some sort of a call to action, maybe change something that you wanted to change for a while, or even just enjoy, you know, detaching from the world for an hour and listening to some great conversations. So whatever it is that you get from this, I do hope that you extract something from it and enjoy the conversations. All these episodes are available on all the major podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and the rest of them. You can also find the episodes on my website, which is RoyBensV.com. You can find a lot of other information about me there as well, from photos to a little bit more insights into who I am, if you're interested. And, you know, you can always go to social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me there. I'm pretty active on both those platforms, although the only ones I have. And um, I try to post regularly so you can stay up to date. And also be sure to put your email on the website. Uh, I shoot emails out with updates, news, any new current information that I have will be sent via those emails and social media platforms. So yeah, make sure you're in the loop. So as promised, this week we have Kelly Starrett back again. Last time we weren't able to cover everything we wanted to cover because he had some prior engagements. This week we covered everything. I mean, not everything. The world's a big place. A lot of stuff to talk about, but we covered a lot of stuff. And you know, maybe we'll have him back again sometime in the future. I feel like I could talk to him for 10 hours straight and we wouldn't run out of topics to discuss. But, you know, it was super insightful, super topical because of what's happening right now with COVID. Um, I feel like we really did cover a lot of ground in this episode from the leaps and bounds that the fitness industry, you know, has has covered in the last 20, 30 years to what is currently happening uh, with COVID and accessibility to training outside and sleep. Who knew Sleep was so important. When I was in the army, I used to sleep for six hours and that was just standard six hours. And they would give you the exact six hours. Like if you slept five hours and 50 minutes, you'd go to the captain and, hey, I slept five hours, 50 minutes. Go sleep for 10 minutes. Doesn't matter what happened. He has to give you those six hours. But apparently six hours is not enough. Uh, you have to sleep seven or eight hours or even nine hours, depending on if you have some back issues, if you have whatever things you have going for you. But Apparently six is not enough. And I actually had another um, guest a few episodes ago, Matteo. Uh, he's a CEO of Eight Sleep and we were talking about sleep. So if you want to really deep dive into sleep, go check out that episode. 
But we did talk about a few aspects that we didn't cover in that episode here uh, with um, Kelly, which was super interesting. I had no idea about some of the links between Alzheimer's and sleep. So there's really so much to learn. I feel like we are in this era of knowledge right now, but also of a lot of misinformation and a lot of people trying to sell you some snake oil just to make a buck and without really having the proper data, the proper science to back up their claims, which is, you know, it's their right. They can do that, but it's unfortunate because a lot of people fall for it, spend a lot of money, and they don't necessarily get the results that they want. But completely different story here. I just want you guys to enjoy this episode, listen to Kelly, listen to some of the tips and insights that he gives you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So without further ado, here is this week's guest, Kelly Starrett. The Genuinely Interested Podcast. We have Kelly back again. We said we would, and I'm uh, I'm happy you're back, man. Holy moly! Thank you so much. I, if anyone had listened to the first one, apologies. We were ranting. I was ranting, and now we're going to rant part two. No, no, that that's what we're here for. We want to hear the rants. People are here for the rants, man. <laughs> as many rants as possible. And for people who can't see because this is audio, Kelly is in. This is August. He lives in California, and he is in a puffy jacket. And uh, I asked him why, and he said it's because of the wildfires. And I guess Bay Area is maybe cooler at this time of year. It's just I, I always thought California is just unequivocally, unanimously hot throughout the year. But I guess NorCal not as much. It is definitely two states. So there's you know SoCal yeah. and then NorCal and uh, Pira, It's um, it's foggy. It's rainy. It's basically you think redwood forests where I am. Okay. Is uh, are you anywhere near? Oh no, I guess it's far away. But Shasta Mountain. I mean, that's the only place I've been in NorCal. That's nor NorCal for sure. That's almost <laughs> southern, southern Oregon. So we're, you know we're uh, we're we're in we're in the we're in the neighborhood though. We're in yeah. southern NorCal. How's that? That's that's the third state, nor NorCal. That's what we call Jefferson, the state of Jefferson up there. <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful. I was there seven years ago. Um, I don't think I, I remember driving from, I believe it was Sacramento to Shasta was the most stars I've ever seen. I just had to stop. I actually stopped on the side of the road and it was just pitch black and it was just so beautiful. I had like, I, I went outside of the car and just sat on the hood for like five minutes, just kind of enjoying all, all the stars I was seeing. It was, it was un- incredible. It's a pretty incredible place. And, you know, what's interesting right now is, um, you know, there are deep pockets of talent in our field, of course, everywhere in the United States and abroad. But uh, there are some really, really bright stars here in Northern California. It's pretty fun. Really? Wow. Yeah. I'll have to come back. I, uh, I, I used to be really into mountaineering. And California's got a lot of great mountains. Oregon, Washington, Colorado. So I have to, I have to, once COVID is over, I'm going to start heading west doing that again. Well, I think you, know, you, you bring up something interesting is that... Um, not everyone lives in a place where we can access outdoors. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to give voice to your fitness. Fitness often feels like uh, an endless black hole of like recursive ability, which means like I do pull-ups so I can do more pull-ups, so I can do more pull-ups, so I can do more pull-ups, right? Yeah. Ver- versus I do pull-ups 
because it helped my deadlift. And then when I do deadlift well and I pull up well, then I can run on the beach and I can ride my mountain bike. And, you know, we, we live, um, we're at the bottom of this incredible mountain, Mount Tam, which is kind of the north, the little mountain locally in the bay. Mm-hmm. And yesterday in the afternoon, we went and did a little quick seven mile jaunt, but there's like 800 stairs on this little section oh. of this trail called the Dipsy Trail. We're at the bottom of the Dipsy Trail. And uh, you want to test your fitness. Just let me know how your legs do at 700 stairs on the way down. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think, I think what's interesting though, is we have, it's easy, I think for us or has been in the past to really fall in love with the gym because the gym is easy to track. It's easy to see massive progress. You can tell if your bench is going up or going down very quickly. Right. But we've, it is easy to lose the the narrative of why we're training. We're not training. And look, the gym community is incredible. You know, it, it for a lot of people, if you have kids, you're screwed. If you have a big job, you're screwed. I mean, you, all you can do is carve out 45 minutes, maybe an hour, go to the gym. But the second you have a little bit more space, we're trying to really get people out to kind of spend those credits again and then ask, like, what is the minimum dose I need training in the gym so that I can go become a better athlete outside. So yeah, I was going to ask how how are you guys handling COVID right now? Is it? I mean, I don't know what 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 state, uh, what's the mandatory, I guess, uh, regulations that you guys have to apply with, but in California, but do you do everything outside? Are people? Do you see people just training less? I'll be honest. I live in in Williamsburg, and I love to go in the morning. I usually try to work out in the evening, but in the morning, I'll take the dog for a walk. And there's a park here, McCarran Park, and it is jam packed with people yeah. training, yoga, uh, every type of exercise, boxing. They have actually set up like boxing bags where people can train. It's it's actually that's p- probably my favorite part of the morning just getting that energy seeing all the people hustling grinding sweating and it's like 7 a.m and everyone's already like halfway through their uh, workout so it's very inspiring but how, what, what's like in california or at least where where you are well i think it's you bring up a really interesting point is that it, it, there is a lot of incredible physical culture here in the united states right and and really as we've gotten as i've become a little bit more reasonable i think as i've gotten older I really don't care what your tribe is. I don't really care what your your movement practice is. And some movement practices or some physical practices are more or less complete. You may have to do a little bit of some other things to just augment your movement practice. But I think first and foremost, what we realize underneath this movement practice is that, you know, it is about training partners and tribe. It's about a relationship with a person, a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're seeing was the dearth of that. I mean, the, there was just, you know, as soon as we were in sheltering in place, I think the thing that people missed the most was you know belonging and you know on the one hand we see these gigantic house parties happening and it's infuriating because my kids are still because we've handled this the way we have and i'm really trying to be apolitical consciously but my kids are online right now in school you know and you know we had a big prison here we had some you know that we had cases that just went right back in and you know that's that's a federal you know prison so you know at some point you know like because we didn't get serious or the way we handled this, my children have lost another year. And we're lucky because we have bikes and, you know, I have an 11 foot pool where my, you know, my kids play water polo and they can dick around and our gym, our garage is full of equipment. But what you really saw was we yanked out the rug for people's community, especially in urban areas where people didn't have a lot of access. So they better be outside. 
Um, you know, the God, and this is, this is the thing that makes us human, our relationships with other humans. And I think it's, it's one of those pieces now that's been highlighted in a way that we couldn't anticipate before or really appreciate before. And the second piece of that is, um, you know, what we're seeing is that those people who had enough activity to kind of keep the machine running, you know, they walked a little bit, they had to go, and all of a sudden they're working at home. We saw that, man, we had really failed because we had a population that didn't know how to take care of itself, didn't know what the minimum therapeutic dose was. You know, the federal mandates for, um, and there's federal law, but also every state has its own mandates for how much activity children need to get. Yeah. And already we were underneath that. Kids were not getting their five hours of intense aerobic exercise. I mean, the, the, you know, the Center for Disease Control, um, you look at uh, the FDA, you look at all of the recommendations for activity for humans, and it's actually like five to seven aerobic hours of modern intensity, which is actually way more than people realize, and some high intensity loading and lifting. And <clears throat> across the board, we weren't meeting that. So I think what you're seeing right now is kind of we've stress test ourselves in a way that has really shown that we are not very good at taking care of ourselves or at least haven't set people up for success. Because remember, this is, I'm really agnostic. And I think that people come out of an environment, they come out of a movement tradition, your parents moved or your friends went to the gym or they didn't. And that, that dictated whether you did or not. But what we see is, man, obesity, metabolic, you know, syndrome, these are the things that are really, really killing us with COVID, comma, those are the things that have been lurking in the background. We just hadn't paid the price on it yet. And, you know, we know that by 2050, we're going to be bankrupt as a country from diabetes. You know, that one in, you know, when you and I went to high school, the chances of us being diabetic were one in 4,000. Now it's one in four. So it doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter how, much, how rich your parents are. One in four is your chance. And if you're a Latinx male or if you're a black woman, your chance of being di diabetic as an adult are two out of three. And so what I have to ask is, how are we doing? You know, are we, are we killing it? Not well. Not killing it? No. So, so what we're are we doing with ourselves. all this? What are we doing all this sport? Why are we doing like, we're, you know, if you get on the internet, man, you know, just come over to our feed sometime and watch the trolls have fights about minutia and bullshit, right? Really like arguing about foot position. I'm like, dude, you don't even squat. Your friends don't squat. Like, what are we even talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we... At some point, we're going to have to say, hey, what is it we care about? And, and start with your community. That's all. I mean, you know, as more and more, I've become a total Republican. And what I mean is states' rights. I mean that we need to focus on communities first. And if you just get, you just take care of your community, your neighborhood, your, invite all the kids over for squat club, then I'll manage my community. You know what I mean? And that's how we can really roll. But we're going to have to work top down and bottom up and I don't think we've, we're starting to pay a price on, you know, there are a couple big hurricanes that came through. Um, they've never seen two hurricanes in the same season, the same time. We've got these horrific fires here in California. We're starting to like, wait until some of these bills come due. And, you know, we've been putting it off, putting it up, putting it off. And our health is the thing that we can control. And it's, it's insane. Yeah. So whew, a lot to unpack. So you know, one of the, when you mentioned trolls, I was just, that's a, that's a little small point I want to make, but I put out a, um, um, podcast that I did with Michael Chiesa last week and he's a UFC fighter. He's a top 10 in the 170 division, an absolute killer. I think he's killer. got maybe two losses in the UFC to 
Pettis and I believe Kevin Lee. It's so, so hard. That sport is so hard. Yeah, straight killer, right? And I put it on, and the trolls just came out to, to you know, to, a field day for them. And like the 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 comments I was reading from people who probably and it just seemed like from what they were writing have never been to a gym or have never put in the work like this guy like what you can think whatever you want it but he is one of the toughest most hardest working ufc fighter and you know he's in the top 10 for a reason so that's just something like the the, the amount of hate and i don't know if it's because it's anonymity nowadays and it's, it's youtube it's reddit it's twitter all these accounts right you can be pretty much anonymous and write whatever you want but there is this uh, culture of hatred and on shitting on people instead of celebrating the the goodness that they bring that has just become so prevalent and so i don't know it's 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 disgusting I, I i don't like it but to to what what you were i just want to piggyback off what you were saying earlier it seems like covid started around february or so and <laughs> it's becoming progressively worse with every month that has gone by um, to the point where I, I think like December, we're just going to see headlines. Aliens took over humans, now farm animals like that. That could be where. Well, let me ask you this, though. I mean, sure. You know, first of all, you know, people have always, you know, you know, mob rule is mob rule. And this has always been. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Secondarily is, you know don't read the comments. <laughs> you just got to have a thick skin. And, uh, you know, right now, I think what you're seeing is that people are just struggling to relate to other people. So, you know, have, have some empathy and also have a hair trigger on your block. I mean that, you know, mm-hmm. we, uh, we just don't tolerate incivility on our site and our web, you know, in our comments. And so if you, if you want to play a game or have a conversation or have a different point of view, absolutely. If, you, if you're a dick, goodbye, you don't even get to yeah. play. And, uh, I was talking with Eric Cressy yesterday. He just mutes everyone. You know, which I think is great because then they can just you know have tantrums and no one can see. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things um, you know, that we're gonna have to talk about with this is were we farm animals before? Were we were we living our best selves? You know, the the Instagram is very deceiving in terms of seeing all the jacked people and all the weights. You don't see all the work, you see people's best lifts. And you know, I what I want to believe is that, um, you know, it's difficult for us to wrap our heads around what, what it is we need to do to be human and to feel happy. And, you know, being presented with some of these highly addictive technologies. And let me just talk about it for a second. Porn, sugar, serotonin mm-hmm. on the internet. I have a 15-year-old kid and uh, it is a constant battle to pull her phone out of her head. She has to turn her phone in at 10 o'clock. She has to turn it in. And if she fucks it up, it goes in a box and is locked for a, that you can't unlock unless you smash the box. So that's happening across all ages. That's not necessarily teens. I'm seeing it with people in their 70s. Like, uh, you yeah. Know. And w- what I want people to appreciate is that it's just it's biochemistry. It's self soothing. Like, how, how can you compete with that ding? How can you compete with that? You know, forget the thirst trap. I mean, it, it's it's an issue of that people are looking. And what we haven't done is given them a better opportunity. You know, if, if you are working, you know, don't feel like you're in a great community. If you don't feel self-satisfied, it's easy to get sucked into these things. And they're highly addictive, addictive by nature. You know, um, if, we, if we pan back for a second, what we see is that people are just trying to self-soothe and particularly even more self-soothe, right? 
And I self-soothe with the internet. I self-soothe with porn. I self-soothe with alcohol, with THC, with sugar, food, carbs. And um, you just have to see it for what it is. And, you know, it, at the highest levels of sport, one of the dirtiest secrets is Ambien and Adderall. You know, guys are, you know, there's trying to focus, trying to be on, they're on the Adderall, you know, pitching. These are, I'm talking about the, the starting pitchers for Major League Baseball will take, you know, 10 milligrams of Adderall in the morning, 10 more at, pack, at practice, 10 more at the game. That's 30 milligrams of Adderall. I don't know if you know how much 30 milligrams of Adderall is. It's a lot of Adderall. And you know how you go to sleep after that? You take two Ambien. And then how do you wake up after two Ambien? Adderall. And so what we're seeing is it's just self-soothing. And if you think, oh, it's too extreme, let me ask you, how many drinks did you have last night to take off the edge? And if it's not you, it's people you know, and it's people trying to figure out how to chill out. And, you know, I think fundamentally right now, we're having a real difficult conversation about the fundamentals that make us human. And I think it's been highlighted even more. Are we walking? Do you eat food? You know, do you move your body the way it's supposed to do? I mean, you didn't take your hip into flexion today. And it's possible that you didn't do that. You got, you went, got up, sat at the bed, sat at the table, sat at the couch. You never, ever took your hip through a full range of motion for days. So, you know, what, what's going to happen? You know, so, you know, I think when we start to get down, we haven't done a good job of teaching the basics of humanhood to people. And then all of a sudden, you know, the the bounty of your genetic potential starts to starts to wane. You know, we you can buffer a lot in your 20s and early 30s. I mean, you can get away with murder, right? You can eat how you want, you can party hard. And then one day I guarantee you'll wake up and you cannot. You've got fatty liver and you're 20 pounds overweight and your knees hurt and you're arthritic and inflamed. You're gonna have to find Jesus. You're gonna have to, you know, gonna have to find religion. And and that's a difficult ship to turn around. And it doesn't have to be that way necessarily. So I think, you know, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I really have come to believe, and I think I said this to you, that strength and conditioning and fitness is the way out. Because what we know in strength and conditioning fitness is we have stress tested these ideas around nutrition and performance and sleep, tribe, community, right? And we know if you go drinking, you show up the next day and you suck in the weight room. So we can make that conscious decision that, hey, Drinking decreases performance, right? So then I can go into my people who are not athletes and be like, hey, I know you think that drinking doesn't impact your performance and your work, but it does. And it wrecks your sleep and it wrecks your, you know, your sex drive and, you know, and you're insulin insensitive. And what I want people to appreciate right now is that we use sport as a lab to talk and find out what works so we have the best expression of human function, human, so you can feel better and you can live to be 100 kicking ass, right? Then, um, you know, what we, 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 I think people don't appreciate that we're using sport as a lab. And instead, they see sport as circus and entertainment. And certainly, the NFL is entertainment. Well, I get it, right? But simultaneously, the things we've learned working in the NFL, we can apply backwards to the rest of us. BFR, right? Scraping, tool, percussion, all of these ideas, how, you know, basic, basic tenets of how your body works. That's all come out of sport. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I look at any industry, right, the leaps and bounds we've accomplished in the last, let's say 50 years is astounding, right? Take medicine, um, take transportation, movies, technology, you name it. We've made leaps and bounds in the last 50 to a hundred years, right? Like if you had, the flu like a hundred years ago, 
like you're you would probably die or if you had like some spinal injury they would just leave you out to die they wouldn't take care of you because they had no idea how to take care of it now i mean i don't know if you saw this uh there's a documentary on uh, lennox hill on, on um on netflix the things they are able to cure it's almost like science fiction really it's incredible and i'm just wondering how far have we come in the last let's say 20 or 30 years with fitness as far as what we know today versus what we knew back then well you know if you look at bill Starr, you know who was really one of the first coaches and athletes to go into people and teach power clean bench to you know colleges you know our our university experiences are radically different and what you know i think one one of the things that has driven this on some levels you know it is have and have not. On some levels, we're still doing elliptical and bicep curl in the, in the squat rack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're still selling people pills and fat jigglers. I mean, th- that bull still exists, and I hope some of it dies out, right? Yeah. But simultaneously, um, you know, when my dad was starting quarterback at his university, he never lifted a weight, you know? And, and you know, he would tell me, he's like, dude, I didn't lift a weight, I just ran. And I was, dad, you were slow and weak, you know? Like, I'm in high school and I'm crushing you. And, um, you know, um, what I want to say is that if you go into our movement traditions, and I think we really want to make sure we're going back and connecting the dots, um, look at the Greeks, look at the Iranians, uh, with their crazy clubs, um, look at the Indians, look at, you know, people in India fighting, look at how Muay Thai has been around for a minute. And I think what you'll see is that in these physical cultures and traditions, Kung Fu, uh, Wing Chun, you'll see that there's a lot of instruction about how to move, how to generate force, how to train. And some of this has come out of just even the military tradition. So, you know, one of the things that we can do is not arrive here as modern humans, typical modern humans and say, like, we figured it all out or look what we figured out, right? Because we can put a microscope in it. You know, the human being is the most complex structure in the known universe. And the brain is the most complex feature of that known universe structure. But, you know, I I want to appreciate that, you know, we talked about uh, Harari last time, right? Um, And what I I want to appreciate is that we're probably designed to be 110 years old. And now we have theoretically solved the problems of war. War is a choice now. I mean, wars are devastating, but it's it's a political choice, not right uh, about resources. We've solved really some of, to your point, some of these really simple diseases that were wiping us out, and we have a long way to go. And infant mortality among you know minorities is terrible. You know, the chances of you know a black baby dying being cared by a white physician is like three times or four times as high as being carried by a black physician. So we still have some issues here, right? And food. We have enough food. We just don't put it in the right places. We can grow enough food. We have enough calories to feed people. So we're not going to get hungry like we did in the Depression. Wait, so, so you're saying that if if a white physician delivers the baby, the black baby, there's a higher chance for that baby to die? That's right. Why? Uh, because of our ingrained racial biases towards care and value of humans. Like it's you, the, the data is unequivocal. My point is okay. that... Um, We'll yeah, you say why is a great great question, right? Yeah. The fundamental heart of our society, you know, we don't have a very good civil society, and we don't have a civil society that values, you know, the fundamentals. You know, um, it's easy, you know, Wally, that movie, you know, was really like 
the most so prophetic movie in the whole t- world. I mean, that is who we are and what's going on. And what we're seeing around obesity and diabetes, you know, and the sort of associated costs of that, you know, really the human being is being held down. Like we are in chains and shackles um, by f- our food choices, by our sleep quality. Um, and we're seeing smart people be able to take a crack at it, but it's this, again, same principles. And what we need to do is not romanticize a hundred years ago. That sucked. Spanish flu sucked. Yeah. Right? And, um, you know, food, you know, scurvy sucked vitamin. I mean, they used to have to add iodine oh, yeah. salt because yeah. we were getting goiters, right? People didn't have access to onions, right? So you know, that's why, that's why there's iodized salt now people. And, um, you know, what we want to do is get back really fundamentally to basics around what is it that humans need. And, and from in this conversation, what we should appreciate is, you know, in MMA and UFC, those people are freaks in terms of the, the, the depth and breadth and the exposure to the movement. And I would, you know, think about how far we progressed in UFC versus UFC one with, you know, sumo fighters fighting gracie you know i mean just like you know i mean like it just looked like a a show right yeah and um you know i would say the same thing you know except um one of our friends is half thor bjornsson right so he's the mountain okay and um what you'll see is if you follow him you know a couple years ago he walked this gigantic mast right he took a step and i think he he took like four steps with the mass and the mass weighed like 3000 pounds or something ridiculous yes. right and um it was an old viking legend that this guy this one viking walked the step three steps he walked the mass three steps so hafthor broke the record shattered the legend by walking one more step and what i want you know i want to point out is that hafthor did come out unharmed and the other guy maybe not but hafthor had all the advantages of being a modern human and every, every sort of advantage therein from nutrition to augmentation to right to peds, to recovery, to eating. And yet that Viking walked that thing three steps. So I work on the assumption that human beings have actually been rad for a billion years. Even if you go in and read, there's a great book called the mobility of a nation, which looks at loads of soldiers and it's an old little kind of book of like was written by a, a Marine who was trying to figure out why guys were carrying hundred pounds and why, you know, you know, at D-Day in Normandy, they were drowning because the fear hit them and they couldn't get out of the sand with their huge loads on their back. And, and part of that is that he goes in and does this deep dive into the, the, the martial traditions of the Prussians and even Napoleon and Napoleon's, you know, uh, head of military would say, he's like, you know, soldiering is in the legs. And the Prussians figured out at this temperature, you can march this far. And at this temperature, you can march this far. And so if they figured that out, how many years ago, you know, in this Prussian military, I'm telling you, we have been obsessed with going faster and lifting more and being more rad for as long as there have been humans. But the difference was we didn't have access to our whole society to that information. I think that's, that's what's crazy. If you grew up in a tradition where you wrestled and did some Olympic lifting, you're a savage, you know, but some of us did not grow up in those traditions, but now the advent of CrossFit and kettlebells everywhere. I mean, everyone knows how to Olympic lift a little bit. Everyone can power clean. Everyone can snatch a kettlebell. It's, it's just crazy sort of the democratization of some of this information. 
you know, now if you drop into a fitness class, I mean, I put in like classic quotation marks, you're seeing people use equipment that was only used by Olympians in track and field and maybe, uh, you know, Olympic lifting just 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy how, you know, I feel like all the records that are, that were ever set pretty much are constantly being broken, like Olympic records or take any sport, like records are constantly being broken because our athletes are essentially becoming more superhuman with every year that passes. The one thing that blows my mind is I believe it was 98 or 99. There was a Moroccan runner and he broke, and I think he has the fastest one mile that's that anyone has ever run. And it's like three minutes and 40 some 46 or 47 seconds. And no one has, has has broken that record in 21 years, which I find kind of insane because every other record has been broken in the last 21 years. Like every record that's been set by anybody doing any sport has pretty much been broken and keeps, you know, being broken by superior athletes as the generations go by. Well, I think what you're seeing is there are mutants amongst us. Yeah. And, and I think um, how many latent mutants are there that never got picked you know if you're if all your dna especially your mitochondrial dna is from your mother right mm -hmm. your mitochondrial dna is from all your dna and all of a sudden you know you have to realize that you know that potential just lay dormant in a, in a bunch of people so the the story of of unbroken right zamparelli is you know he's shot he's an olympian he shot down survives the the raft for like sets the record for the most time spent on raft starving then gets captured by the japanese is tortured da, 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 right it's an angelina jolie movie and a great book laura hildebrand and um he runs like a 402 or 403 mile right then after all of that shit all of that torture all of that gnarliness fractures his ankle comes back and runs a 404 mile so like he wasn't training, he was starving to death, right? Yeah. And yet his latent capacity is still there. And what I want to, you know, point out is just that think about the implications of that. Yes, I'm sure if he had access to all of the technology and all of the recovery systems and all the modern training, we've gotten better. But the knife is sharper. The knife isn't better, right? We've just yeah. made the knife a little bit more sharp. I mean, people have been extraordinary and doing extraordinary things for a long time. And you know, if you don't believe me. I recommend that you go uh, check out uh, Natural Born Heroes by Chris McDougall. You know, and what you'll see is that the Cretans, you know, single-handedly frustrated the Germans. You know, how? Because they could cover 20 or 30 miles at night in the woods on no food. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, what I, what I want to suggest to people is to go ahead and look around at who is doing the best in their field. And get out of your like gymnasium mind and start to look at the climbers, look at the mountaineers, look at the surfers. What are the best doing and how do I apply those principles back towards what I'm doing? So here's, here's an example. One of our friends, we just did our little podcast on nutrition. And uh, one of our friends has, you know, kind of two tests he does. One is called the glucose challenge test. The glucose challenge test is this, that you need to eat two Pop-Tarts. And let me know if you feel sick. And if you don't, if you feel sick after eating two Pop-Tarts, you have some, some issues in terms of being able to manage glucose. Your, your metabolic is not very flexible. The set, and everyone's like, I can do that test. The second test, you got to do it on an empty stomach. The second test is 
don't eat for 18 hours and let me know how you feel. If you get hangry or weird, you also have problems, right? And uh, so what we're seeing is, man, we have become so, you know, uh, precious. You know, our friend Laird Hamilton says, you know, if, if you, you go out and bonk while we're out in the ocean doing big stuff, you're a liability. And likewise, if you eat a hamburger and get diarrhea and your knuckles swell up, you're also a liability, right? You need to be a, a dynamic human being. And one of our friends is a guy named Jimmy Chin. He's the climber who did Maru. Love Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. Right. So he, he, uh, Jimmy's an old friend of ours. Uh, he, he did uh, Free Solo, if you guys haven't seen that documentary about Alex Honnold. And one of the things that they talk about in Meru is that they, they're doing this crazy climb. They get trapped in some snow avalanches, but they decide to go on, right? They're, they're going to try to push for the summit after four or five days. They're basically running out of food. They get 100 meters from the top, and they can almost see it, but they realize they're going to have to spend the night, and they're starving. So they abandon, they down climb. It's a four-day down climb four days. And each day they get a third of a cliff bar. So that's what they had to eat. A third of a cliff bar. They share one cliff bar for three people for three or four days. They get to the bottom and they think all of their food is there and they're stoked, but their food is buried in 12 feet of snow. So they still can't eat. Yeah. They have another 18 hour walk out fasted. And at that time, when he told me that I was like, Whoa, maybe I don't need that protein shake after my <laughs> after my little squat session, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> We've just become, I think, far too precious, highly undurable and not tolerant. And that's why you're seeing things like these tough mutters and the go ruck challenges. And I think deep down inside, we know we've gotten soft, but we need to bring everyone with us. So, you know, look around and ask yourself, you know, what are these people doing? Because these stories lead you to me much more badass dynamic flexible you know and and it's i think it's easier than we think yeah and um you know there's a documentary i watched maybe like three days ago it's called rising phoenix it's on netflix and it's about the special olympics the paralympics Mm. and there was a guy there was a lot of super super motivational charismatic people on that documentary but there's this one guy my God, man, if, if you want to talk about toughness, right? This guy, he was born in the Rwandan genocide. He was maybe a few years old. He had his, his leg chopped off as a young kid with a machete. He watched his mom died right in front of him. He lived in a orphanage in, in, in the country for a few years. No one was taking care of him. He was like, I didn't have, you know, the, no one was giving him prosthetics, the right amount of, of care or attention. He was basically a homeless kid just and, and he could put his head down at night in, in, in this orphanage. Somehow managed to get to France and create a whole life. And now he is in the Paralympics, right? He is one of the best uh, jumpers um, in the world in, in his category. And he's like a well-dressed guy. He talks well. Like he's he overcame so much, right? Like racism and all the stuff that came when he moved to a new country, all that stuff. And he's just sitting there calm, collected, just telling his story. I was like, God damn, man, like people here complain about the littlest things. And meanwhile, the, the people who really came from dictatorships and went through the hardest things, they're usually the ones that are the calmest because they know what, you know, what, evil the world has and i just feel like here in this country like you said we're just 
it's we're just too protected this helicopter parents from a young age and every little thing that is annoying to us seems like it's the end of the world and we've just become we just need to become a little bit tougher but also to another point that you made earlier i feel like if there is a like the us has all the credentials as far as we have the best facilities the best scientists the best coaches uh we have you know programs that are dedicated to making the best athletes we have all the funding to back up those athletes from a very young age and you have all the biggest sports leagues so there's a somewhere for it doesn't matter what sport you're doing there is a league where you can excel and 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 you know accomplish the stuff that you want to accomplish and and make money off it but the majority of the world doesn't have that so you know if if you look at africa they're probably some of the best athletes in the world but there's no facilities there's no money there's no sports leagues to get out of those areas and to you know be able to compete and and break records is it's unfathomable to you know 90% of the people there and i just wonder like if we were be if we were able to tap into all the potential that the world has not just you know the the us and and europe like what would we be able to see i think one of the things we should be thinking about is how anti-fragile we are as people and actually how really robust we are. And what's interesting is if you pan back and look at the number of orthopedic injuries or let me get, I don't know if I use this example, but one of our friends is a doctor named Dr. Nick Denubli, who has been on Presidential Physical Fitness Council. He's American Academy, chair of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. He's a savage. He's been around for a minute. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he does is done a lot of teenage athlete ACL reconstructions. And one of the things that he talked about is he would, on all of his athletes, he would start the drill by hand, right? Hand turn it. And then he'd pull out the power drill because he needed the power drill to get into the dense bones of the athletes. Their, their DEXA scans off the chart and he would break tips and grind through this bone. And now he's able to do the entire uh, hole drilling by hand. It's like, like soft coconut. So he just peels through the soft coconut and he's like, what happened to the bones? And what we're seeing is, you know, we, it's difficult for us as humans to appreciate that, you know, the environment in which we existed, we did a lot of sitting on the ground. We carried around shit on our shoulders, right? We threw, we threw things and, and really we did a lot of walking like that. That's, those are the things that made us human, not running, not sprinting. I mean, of course we can run. Of course we have a big toe, da, da, da. I'm not saying we don't run, but um, those skills predominantly are the things that makes us human beings. And what's amazing is it's difficult to appreciate that the hard and fast rule about the body is use it or lose it, right? That's Wolf's law, Julius Wolf talking about the bones in the, you know, in the 18th century. And he noticed, you know, and we know now is bones have a piezoelectric charge. It means they're crystalline. And when you flex crystals, they make an electric charge. That's how you spark your, your barbecue, right? You push the button and it sparks. Yeah. You're flexing some crystals in there. And when you flex those crystals, but the signaling from the electricity is why the osteoblasts come in and rebuild your bone and remodel your bone. So if you don't flex the bone, you don't get the signal to bring in that osteoblast. And check this out. When you put an orca in captivity, the orca, man, is unmatched in the sea, right? It is the sea alpha predators. Orcas eat great white sharks for fun, right? There is nothing more terrifying in the ocean than an orca. 
and they're you know they don't kill humans, but they are savages, right? Yeah, zero death, de- zero uh, human death That's in right. the wild. That's yeah. right. You put an orc in captivity, and its fin folds over. Mm-hmm. People are like, "What is that about?" The orc is in, is sad. But what it's about is that if you don't load the fin, the orc is no longer hunting, swimming, fighting, having sex, playing, doing orca stuff. What ends up happening is that that fin doesn't get loaded. Simultaneously, you change the fundamental behavior environment of the orca. So it's spending a lot more time at the surface, chilling out, eating orca snacks. And that fin becomes weak at the base. And that's just the same mechanism as your bones. So it's use it or lose it. So if you want to have weak, sad collagen that is is that your surgeon can go in and hand crank like soft coconut by all means don't load be be a modern orca caught in a in a you know captivity but that is really the allegory for us we have to load and it's a lot easier than people think if you're stuck at home right now don't have a cardio machine don't like to run fill up a backpack with a bunch of dog food cans and go walk around your neighborhood. I mean, make that backpack 30 pounds, make it 40 pounds, make it 50 pounds. For some of us, make it 10 pounds, make it five pounds. Let's begin to load. And then let's look at this the same way we need to brush our teeth. And you know, I think one of the fundamental problems, and I think we may have talked about this last time, is that we're still treating wellness and fitness and performance like a game you're gonna win. Every athlete I know retires, and oftentimes retires injured. Was that a win? Not a win, right? The weight of gold just came out. That documentary on HBO about all the, yeah. the depression and suicide amongst our Olympic athletes. How's that for winning? So what I want to point out is that if you look and change your mindset, get into the idea of thinking, you know, wellness and fitness are games to be played better. They're infinite games. They're games that you have to restart every day. And the only way to win is to play better. It means if you screwed up yesterday and had a bunch of cookies and drank a bunch with your friends, that's okay. You just played poorly and you're going you're gonna to suck today. But you can make a whole different set of decisions today and start playing better. And when we start pretending that the game, the infinite game is going to last 100 years, you start making different decisions. And that is the fundamental problem with what we're going on right now. Yeah, well, we, it's it's so hard when you're like 20, right, to, to look at your lifespan and, and, and think, oh, you know, I should start taking care of myself because, um, you know, I should be I want to be healthy when I'm 90. It's like, no, let me go do drugs, drink alcohol, uh, do a, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm my coach. I, coach, I'm pre-stretched. I already come pre-stretched. I'm fine. I don't need to warm up. Are we running 400? It's great. I don't need to warm up. So the key here then, because you bring up a really good point, is that the only way you do that if you're 20 is that you can see the benefits of it. Someone showed you inputs and outputs. Oh, you have and you have abs now and you're really strong and you get some, you know, the men look at you because you're jacked, right? The women look at you because you're jacked. Yeah. And and you know, what we also appreciate is that you do what your tribe does. You do what your family does. So if your family doesn't eat sugar but like once a week, but they pound the vegetables and fruits and pound the protein that's what you're going to do. And so what you see is that at 20 years old, you're just a product of your conditioning. And no way should you be able to make those changes on your own. You should be able to smash a pizza for sure, comma. You also were like, whoa, that's not what my family did for the last 20 years. So what we're seeing is that we are launching kids. And, and frankly, this is how we have come to start to see this problem being solved. For some of us, it may be too late. It's going to be difficult you know, to change these fundamental behaviors. How easy is it to change any behavior, to break a habit? So hard, right? 
but it's not hard for children. So let's all start focusing on the things we can control and focus on. And, and it may be easy as like, hey, we're going to walk a mile today, kids. That's it. We're just going to walk a mile. Let's start with that. If you're worried about that, because it's too get a dog. Go walk yeah. the dog every day. You know, there's just a lot of, hey, I just want you to drink some water. I'm going to sit here until you just drink this six gallons glass of water. So there's a whole lot we can do. And, you know, if Rob Wolf, you know, uh, our nutrition friend said, you know, I think I've quoted in his book as saying, look, if you don't want to wake up and eat cookies in the middle of the night, don't have cookies in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we're just so food illiterate and there's so much capital behind so many of these companies oh, sure, that, sure. that will play around with the with the information they'll play around with the stats and the figures and they'll show how it's x percentage and how you should be eating this and how x amount of sugar and a lot of times we're treating and 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 doctors will be on board with a lot of this stuff right just like back in the day they were on board with uh with cigarettes now they're yeah, not made it, but made, it, made an easier birth the babies were smaller Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know we treat we treat symptoms instead of the root of the problem, and you see this with with diets. Instead of changing the foods, you know they'll put the they'll put patients on pills, or they'll tell them maybe cut out a little bit of sugar, but they they're not going to say, hey, you should completely switch out your diet. Maybe stop eating, you know, stop drinking. I don't know, 24 ounces of Mountain Dew each day and, and whatever the fuck people drink. You know, but what, it's what more are, reactive than preventative. And I think you bring up a really good point is that taking things away from people is difficult to do. Don't do especially, that. Especially in the US, especially in the US with, you know, people keep like, oh, my freedoms, like you're not going to tell me what to do. And it's like, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm trying to don't help. Don't open the box. Don't open the box. What, what's the <laughs> box? I, I don't know, but don't open it. Why? What's in the box? So what we feel like is we, we don't try to get people to cut out things. We try to substitute things or yeah. add in. So let me give you a good example. One of our friends is a woman named E.C. Sinkowski, incredible coach. But she has the 800-gram challenge. And the 800-gram challenge is this. I want you to eat 800 grams of fruits and vegetables, canned, frozen, fresh, doesn't matter. You just can't eat dry. But just eat 800 grams of apples today and tell me you're 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 hungry. Like that's a 1.7 pounds of apples. And you're going to get, you're going to burn on that. So go to carrots, go to blueberries, like all the carnivore MD guys, you know, like I, I really appreciate that this no low carbohydrate uh, elimination diet approach works dramatically for disease, but blueberries are not the limiting factor. And if you think that plants are killing you, Dude, blueberries and strawberries are not killing you. That is not the problem, right? Yeah. And they're like, you can get all the vitamin B, you know, vitamin B that you need from eating heart and liver. I'm like, well, who's eating heart and liver every day? You know, I hate heart and liver. So, you know, the the issue here is when you we start having our friends add in 800 grams of vegetables and fruits a day, any way they want, however they're creative. You want to eat 800 grams of rutabaga and knock yourself out? They are so full that there's no room for any other thing. When we then have people try to hit their protein limits, right, just either like a gram per pound or less than that, even like 0.6 or 0.7, they are stuffed. And I'm like, "Mm, where's that pizza? Where's that cheesecake now? And you're like, I can't eat it. I'm full. I'm like, yep. Right. So that's really the, I think it's useful is that if we can constrain behavior, then we get better outcomes. If what if we said you can't drive your kids to school? They have to walk. If they live within a mile, they have to walk. You can't drop them off. Man you're suddenly getting two miles of activity and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to coach it. You don't have to program it. 
we started a walking school bus at our school when there was school here in California. And um, we would walk a little over a mile to school and a little over a mile back. And a bunch of parents started joining us. And this parent came up to us after like four months and was like, this changed my life. I've lost 20 pounds. Wow. My energy's back. And I was like, what'd you do? That's amazing. They're like, I just walked to school. And I was like, you walked two miles and you lost 20 pounds. I'm like, I haven't lost weight at all. Like, well, this is, this is not fair. But you know, the key here is that the body is so robust and so anti-fragile and it's looking to shed that weight. It's looking for input. It's looking to grow stronger muscles and denser bones. But if you don't give it the input, it doesn't get the direction. And loaded walking matters. Getting up and down off the ground, just sit on the ground. Like, you know, the number one reason I think we said last time you end up in a nursing home is that you can't get up off the ground. That's it. Yeah. And if you're over 70, you fall and break a hip, you, chances of you dying are go through the roof because, you, you know, I, I don't remember if we talked before or after, but I just had nine days of hiccups, right? Really? I had nine days since the last time I saw you. Somehow I got caught in some- It wasn't me. It has nothing to do with me. I got caught me. in some horrible hiccup loop and uh, had to go on meds. I had to go on Thorazine. I had to go on gabapentin. I was just like, man, I, gnarly. My life was disrupted wow. for nine days. Couldn't sleep. Just crazy. Nine days of hiccups. And um, what's interesting is I lost 13 pounds. 13 pounds. Like I'm, I, I'm under 10% body fat and man, just kicking out the stress, the, the poor sleep, the man, the, the chronic diarrhea I had, I was like, Whoa, good thing. I have a little bit of extra muscle to get rid of. Right. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, I think I went, you know, Matt Vincent was here. I've been riding my bike a ton. I've been lifting a ton. I was like 242 down to 230, right. 229, you know, you know, and some of that, of course, just water weight comma. What if I am a small woman or a small, frail old man? Do I have 10 pounds to give away of skeletal mass? No, I do not. So I think what we're, we need to start playing, as you're saying, is we just got to start saying, man, it is the long, long, long game. Yeah. And so wait, so, so is it because also you were not eating as much during the, the whole you know, sure. nine days of hiccups? I did. I did a fasted for a day to see if that helped. I mean, just the whole thing. You know, like I was insane. deep into it. I mean, people love the hiccups, but imagine hiccups that last nine days. Oh no, I hate the hiccups. I hate it. I, I if I have it, I just you know I hold my breath till I'm like I'm I'm purple in the face and like I can't breathe. I'm like no, I hate this shit. I'm not trying to hiccup for nine days. I don't know how you handle that. Um, but you know, the, I feel like the more research I I do on things, the more I feel like I don't know anything and 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 it's just like it's this cycle i'm like oh i know a lot and then i go research i'm like shit i don't know anything and i feel like we used to shy away from the cold now we realize the cold is actually beneficial uh from everyday things like i've, I've been learning about sleeping and I'm, i've been running all wrong and i've been breathing all wrong and i've been working out all wrong and the food we eat right like in yeah, water like much. recently so i learned about I, I learned about water and I was like, damn, I've been, I've, I've been drinking the, the wrong type of water. Like this water doesn't have the magnesium and all the minerals that, that I need and the alkaline's all bad. So it's just like, it, it humbles you in a way because we think we are very smart, but oftentimes we're very, we go by emotions and we go by maybe what we, you know, grew up learning by our parents or in school. And that's kind of where, where, where that ends. Cause you know, you have life, you have a job, you have a career, you have kids, you don't really have time to go into every no. little thing and research and it. So yeah, first of all, there's an idea there we call stable compensation. So 
the physiology and and also all of the movement traditions point at specific ways to move. So we all, when we teach, we teach the highest expression of a movement. We go into gymnastics and Olympic lifting, yada, 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 right? And the idea here is that when we teach, we teach not compensation positions. We teach the fullest expression, which is more difficult, takes more skill, more time. You're going to have to get into your range of motion yeah. instead of just doing more work because that's what we're laying on. Instead of looking at this as, as being skill-based, right? So, But we see that people are missing all of their ankle range of motion. They don't, can't flex their hip, their quads are stiff, and they're shouting with the internet about how you have to turn your feet out to squat down, right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so if we corrected all these things, I think you'd have more choice. But it turns out that a lot of our working positions or working mechanics or behaviors aren't ideal. And when I mean that, I mean they, they leave capacity and flexibility and ability and positional choice and options on, on, off the table. So yeah, it works pretty well for now in a small window, but it doesn't, it doesn't explain, predict, it doesn't, um, it doesn't scale up across cohorts. It doesn't explain how to develop and teach, right? It's just, it's, you don't have any pain or problem with it for now. It's very stable. And, and we should look at that compensation as the word. We used to call it errors and faults, right? But they're just you solving a problem, comma, it leads something to, to, you know, to, to you could improve and have more access to your capacity, whether you want it or not. You may not want it, but we like to, we're kind of obsessed with these things, right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, the key here is to appreciate that what you're seeing is, man, that stable compensation works, but it's okay to continue to refine your skill forever and ever and ever. It's okay to refine your eating and you don't have to get it right. I just want to just remind people, you don't have to be perfect. That's that's, you know, you don't have to be, you know, set up a day planner so you can manage what kind of minerals are in your, in your tap water. You know, the idea is set it and forget it. The idea is to constrain the environment or do a better job with the fundamentals. And that fundamental is a lot easier than you think. You know, let me give you an example. Like, you know, I ask people, like, especially if people are in pain or chronic pain, and there's a great connection between sensitive sensitivity, your brain is more likely to not put up with your achy knee when you're sleep deprived. So if you have, if you want to have achy things, by all means, do not sleep. If you want to have a chronic pain, persistent pain condition, by all means, don't sleep. And it's a two edged sword. I understand that people in chronic pain, persistent pain often can't sleep, comma, Anything less than seven hours of sleep and you're in survival mode. I want you to appreciate that. That's survival. You're not a human being. You're a person surviving, right? That means that you just got just enough calories that you didn't starve to death. That's what seven hours of sleep is. In order to get seven hours of sleep, you may be awake upwards of an hour at night. That means you need to be in bed trying to sleep for eight hours a night. So eight hours and above is our minimums. And if you have pain or you're battling back pain, it's nine hours. Why? Because you need to heal and tell your brain. That means you need to be in bed for nine and a half hours. So if you go to bed at 11 and get up at six and you're like, seven hours killed it, you did not kill it. You got sub seven hours of sleep. How do I know? Because we can track that and measure it. And so now I'm like, look, I can't even tell what's going on with you because you're a stressed out, underslept, highly inflamed, poor moving human being, you're surviving. So let's get to the basics first and start to cross those things off our list because that's in your control. I guarantee you, you are just messing around on the internet. You're looking at Snapchat, your Instagram. I mean, it's just like you quit that shit and go to sleep. 
And then once you start losing weight and your knees feel better and you, you know, you'll start to protect that behavior because you're able to connect that behavior to something you care about. And so I want it to be ego-based training. Like what's important to you? Great. Do this sleep and that will help whatever you're, whatever is important to you. Oh, you want to lose weight? Get some more sleep. You want to get stronger? Get some more sleep. You want to get out of cramp pain? Get some more sleep. You know what I mean? You want to do better on your tests and the exam tomorrow? Get some more sleep. You want to present better? Get some more sleep. Like what are we doing? So instead we're talking about like a five hour energy. Well, you know why you're so tired? You didn't sleep. And then you had 17 cups of coffee plus four o'clock, three drinks of alcohol and try to take the breaks off. And then your sleep was crap. Once again, yeah. Adderall ambient. Yeah. You know, I had the, um, the CEO of eight sleep um, mm -hmm. on the podcast a, a few weeks back awesome. and yeah, you, you know, that company, the, the mattress company, it's, I guess they're, they're, they call themselves a sleep recovery or athletic sleep uh, company, but they essentially make a um, a mattress that can cool or heat depending on whatever you like, and it's it's also per individual, and it can monitor how you sleep to essentially give you a better REM sleep. So essentially, in theory, you could sleep less but deeper. I think that is the the the, the final you know destination for them. But he basically said that, said that sleep is one of the most important things for athletic uh, ability and recovery, especially recovery. Dude, let's talk and about your brain. You cannot clear out all of the toxins and build up in your brain unless you sleep. That's when your brain washes itself. So want to know why we see Alzheimer's and stuff going through the roof? One of the reasons is we don't sleep. Hmm. Never put that together. So really? Yes. Oh, shit. Dude, yeah, I, so, 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 you know, the key here is, look, Sure. Let's, let's pretend that you work a split shift. Can't control sleep. Let's pretend you have a newborn. Boy, your sleep is suck. Let's pretend that I'm standing in front of the Marine Aviation Weapon Tactical School and I'm like, everyone, sleep more. Good talk. And everyone's like, what the hell? All we have time for is five hours and 45 minutes of sleep. Yeah. So that's when we're like, hey, let's not worry about how much sleep you get. Let's get the control, the quantity of sleep, right? The rest of us, if you don't have a baby at home or you're, you know, you don't have the hiccups or something's going on, right? You can control this. And that's, really were, you know, I think one of the amazing things about COVID is that suddenly there's a dumbbell sh shortage and you can't buy kettlebells. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I've been trying to buy them. I can't buy them anywhere. I know. And um, what's great is maybe we'll keep a kettlebell in the kitchen for the rest of our lives, right? Yeah. That, you know, these are my, these are my, like you have a, a bug out bag for fires. You're ready. It's your go bag. You know, you've got your shotguns and your clothes and your family albums <laughs> and you grab your kettlebell. And because uh, that thing's precious. But the idea is, you know, my doctoral work was looking at barriers to adherence. What keeps people from doing what they say they're going to do or what they know they need to do? And it turns out the more steps you put between someone and an actual behavior, the less likely they are to do it. Once again, you can see why I'm all about constrained behavior. Like, I don't want you to have to make a choice. If your kettlebell's in your kitchen, it's easy to get some swings in. Does that make sense? You don't need to warm up. Just do some swings. Yeah. Like do 10 swings with a 35-pound kettlebell. And you're not going to die, right? And then every time you see it, be like, oh, hey, swings. Hey, I should, I should do some soft tissue work. Oh, hey, I'm in the living room. My roller's right there. So the closer we can get to getting people to not have to drive or go somewhere or create some kind of crazy motivation, people are working their asses off. I really I mean hats off to people who are, especially at home right now, managing their kids' online school, working remotely trying to shop, trying to take care of their parents. They haven't seen, I have a grandma who's 99. I haven't, no one's been able to go see her because she's like, you know, quarantined in a, in a nursing home up in Washington state. Like people are stressed 
And so my point is, let's make it easier for people, right? We can do this. We can do this. I know we can get out of this, but we're going to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, humans. I don't know. I, I feel like back in the day, I remember there were a lot of events and it used to unite countries. And mm -hmm. I feel like now big events, especially 2020 and COVID, it is, it's not uniting people anymore. It's not uniting countries. It is dividing countries and it's politicizing everything more and more, thus dividing people more and more. I, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to stay optimistic. I'm trying to see the, the good, but everything I'm looking at, especially on social media, which is programmed uh, algorithmically to show you the worst because that's what you're going to click on. It's it, everything's looking bad. Like there's really li very little that's looking good right now, unfortunately. Uh, you know, we have a we have a policy that we only point positive. We don't talk about things we don't like on the internet on our channel, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, we, like, I never bash anyone. I don't I don't talk about what I don't like. I talk about what's positive, and what's amazing. And that's it. That's a small choice I make. You know, so shine the light on the things that you like. Shine the lights on the the abilities and the skills and the people who are doing great work. That's all you need to do. You know, like, you know, think globally, act locally. Well, act locally means, you know, there was a time where in my Instagram feed, you know, I was looking at a lot of jacked athletes. And all of a sudden, my Instagram suggestion is every girl with abs lifting a barbell in a small bikini. And I was like, yeah. whoa, that's a reflection of, of you know, this algorithm is like, oh, I know what you want to see, Kel. Mm -hmm. And I had to start clicking on dogs and start clicking on liking, like, you know, uh, kayaking and, and biking and took me a second. But the idea is when you can really can really shape what's going on. And, um, you know, one of the things that has helped me, for example, you know, I'm on the, the Instagram, you know, managing our feeds, but also looking at what all these other brilliant coaches are doing. It's really a powerful tool, but I have to set a limit. And when I'm done with the day on my limit, you know, sometimes it's a half hour, sometimes I get an hour, depending on what's going on. But I, uh, if I'm on Instagram, I'm not reading, I'm not thinking, I'm not practicing, I'm not calling, I'm not emailing, you know, so, yeah. you know, the, the idea here is, man, it is a choice, but I, it's, it's addictive and you just have to be, you know, choose to take the right pill. If it was the matrix, you have to choose to keep your hand on the box. If we're talking about Dune, you know, you just, we're human beings. I really do feel like it's not that complicated, you know, like did, you know, one of my good friends, Matt Vincent, World Highland Games uh, champion, world champion said, you know, he's like, look, someone asked him, how do you get strong? And he's just like, he's like, pick something up heavy once a week for 10 years. Just let me know what happens. Yeah. And I think that's the, it's easy to lose track that if you're just constant exposure, you'll make massive gains. And that really, I think comes out, you can drop that right into like, which programming is best. The Russian repetition model, where you handle the same loads a lot and a lot, and that's the kettlebell. All of a sudden that load becomes easier and easier and easier. It doesn't always have to be basic linear progressions, overload, 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 back off, overload, overload, right? Just keep handling the same loads. And lo and behold, you will make massive progress. I now swing a hundred pound kettlebell. That's my kettlebell swing, hundred pounds. I grab the 50 and I'm like, oh, this must be Caroline's, my, my 12 year old kettlebell, <laughs> yeah. you know? That's what we're after. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I think education is, is kind of like, you know, you're taught from a young age, how to eat, how much you should eat. Like no one's allowing you to just eat like three, four cakes a day, right? Like you try to get on some sort of a regimen, same with working out, same with uh, everything is around education and limiting how much you consume certain things. And I feel like social media 
it's kind of running rampant. I feel like there should be some sort of a curriculum in schools or, or in higher education, whatever it is that explains to kids like, all right, you should really only consume this X amount. And these are now, some of the, the pitfalls it's, it's and explaining. It's got to be, yeah. family. it's got to be, it's got to be a family value and you got to fight it and you got to be able to willing to take that fight the same way you have to say, Hey, look, you, we're not eating cakes and we're going to get, I mean, look, go to Starbucks and watch the number of gigantic 30 ounce Frappuccinos that go out, right? Trenta yeah. cappuccino, yeah. Frappuccino. And I'm like, dude, hundred grams of sugar. Yeah. You know, I'm like, like that's an adult tantrum, you know, like, man, I'm going to have, I'm going to eat a milkshake for breakfast. Meh. You know, and that's just the morning. That's before you even eat your like your main meals. You know, you can have a third of one of those every day for four days, and that's all, right? So yeah, it's like Jimmy Chin. So you know, <laughs> you know, the key here is, um, you know, treat your life like a small experiment. You know, better same worse. Is it, do you feel better? Do you same feel same? Feel the worst? Do you look better? Do you you know, and uh, let's recognize that fundamentally, you know, again. I, you know, all these parties going on, people getting together. It's because human beings are supposed to be around other human beings. You know, this, this thing, trying to protect our, our, our vulnerable populations, what we should be doing. Really, that's why we're wearing masks because I don't want to get my, you know, my mother-in-law and, you know, my father-in-law, her husband is, you know, pre-diabetic and immune compromised. You know, you know he's like an 80-year-old Chinese guy. And, yeah. um, you know, there's a real chance that he will not do well with his asthma and his breathing and his allergies if he gets COVID. And so, you know, we really are trying to protect him, right? Do we need to protect all of our, you know, my athlete friends? You know, yes and no. You know, we don't want to spread this thing around. Comma, you know, what we're seeing is, man, we need each other more. And, you know, I have a complicated relationship with pro sports. I love athletes. I love coaches. These are trillion dollar, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar corporations that treat human beings like chattel. Yet, man, when the Giants do well or the Niners do well, the whole city belongs to each other, right? When the Warriors do well, the whole city belongs to each other. And, you know, we've got, we've got, we need more excuses to belong to each other. Yeah, I think, um, we need to just be a little nicer, a little kinder to each other. And I think we need to invest in our future selves because that's really the best investment you're ever going to make. Uh, I don't care if you're 20, 45, 15, you know, it's a, it's unfortunate when you're young, you don't think about it. You know, I didn't, I only started to think that way early to mid thirties. I wish I would have started earlier, but it's the best investment you Dude, make. But, so. you, but you started. So Yeah. You know, if you if it only saved ten dollars a you know a month when you were twelve years old, you'd be a billionaire right now. But that's not how it works. You know, the, the second you get consciousness, act on it. The second something in your life changes, act on it. I think that's that's really where we are right now. And and again, I come out of a tradition where I think sports and strength and conditioning can really inform us how to have better, more connected lives. Totally agree. Kelly, you're always awesome. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love talking to you. I could do this for another, you know, 10 hours easy. No problem. Thank you so much for having me back on. And if someone got through this uh, second hour, they're just savages. So I appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, maybe we'll do it in the in the future. Uh, again, for everyone that is listening to the podcast, you can go to their website. I'm going to link everything in the in the show notes. Uh, there's an app. Go to the app. Uh, everything's going to be in the show notes. Anything else that I'm missing? We need to go to Fet Sal, right? We need to go to some good barbecue out there. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't really eat meat. Maybe like some grilled veggies for me. I'll, I'll be happy with that. Done. Easy. <laughs> Done, man. Uh, cool, man. Well, I want to. I want to thank you so much. I really appreciate it again. And uh, yeah, man. Best of luck out there. Hopefully, the gyms will open soon. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Stay in touch. All right. Take care. Bye bye.